Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour here on Monday. And, you know, I really think it's a happy Monday because... Most people will not be working on Thursday for Thanksgiving, and most people have a two-day weekend. If you don't, God bless you. We'll pray for some restful time and at least some good food, right, on the bright side. Um, I am so happy to be having delightful food with family and enjoying relaxing. Thanksgiving, I don't know about you, but I, with all of like the food sensitivities and diets, I know it can be a difficult, especially I think sometimes if you've got kids coming on, you're thinking, man, who isn't on a diet? They've got keto, they've got paleo, this one's vegan, this one's gluten-free. Uh, we laugh about all of that, but I'm one of those pain-in-the-butt people because I'm allergic to gluten and dairy. And so I'm always really grateful because my parents are so great. My mom is so great about making sure that I can eat my favorite items um, for Thanksgiving. And no one makes a turkey like my mom. Just saying no other turkey compares. So very excited for Thanksgiving food and all the delightful things uh, that come along with Thanksgiving and time together. And actually, I'm very excited. We were just talking about Advent preparations and easing into the Christmas season. And, you know, you still have to respect, like, family traditions and things that you love to do. And even though, for example, I'm going to slowly transition into my Advent or to my Christmas tree and slowly do the Christmas decorations, I love it. As a family, we always decorate our Christmas tree still us quote-unquote adult children um, with my mom and so we're going to be decorating the tree on Thanksgiving and I am so excited. So fun things coming as we start to transition into this season of Advent and into Christmas and just that reminder I talked about preparing for Advent on Friday's episode. I hope you'll go and listen to it because there are a ton of resources from Advent devotionals because Advent starts this Sunday and I'm putting together lists Stay tuned on my Instagram. Uh, I'll be sharing that later. And I have some news. I'll be sharing a little bit more tomorrow on Trending. But life has been crazy. I've been sharing with you. Uh, So I'll share with you what's been going on in my life, including a move among other things. So I wanted to share with you about my guest today, and it's our weekly happy hour, so if you have a question about happiness or what might be getting in the way of your happiness, let me know. The number is 1-888-914-9149. We'd love to take your question. And in particular, talking to my guest today, he shared his story, Abel Garcia, a few weeks ago here on Trending about how 
in his later teen years, he ended up going through a social transition as well as a surgery transition with top surgery as he was identifying as transgender. He shared the story about being ushered into a transgender identity by therapists and literally went through with cross-sex hormones. And his story is powerful because it's one of hope and one of truth because people weren't telling him the truth about the reality of his body and they were giving him really terrible information about medication, among other things. So joining me now is Abel Garcia to share more of his story about his transition uh, to becoming transgender and then detransitioning to embrace his biological sex and his God-given identity. And we're going to touch on his story in particular from a Catholic perspective of how his faith played a part in his story. Abel Garcia, welcome back to Trending. Well, thank you very much for having me again. Abel, if you want, for those who maybe weren't with us a couple weeks ago, and we'll post a link on social media to our conversation because it's a powerful, powerful testimony to what happened. Could you maybe give kind of a Sparks Notes version of your story for those who maybe haven't heard it yet before we dive into what faith played a role uh, or how faith played a role in your story as well? Sure. So again, my name is Abel Garcia. I am a male to female to male detransitioner. So what that means is I'm a biological man. I attempted to become a transgender woman. And after realizing I was making a mistake, I have returned to my biological sex as a man. Yep. And so you did a social transition and you were also encouraged right away. And this story astounds me that you were, you weren't identifying as a woman able, but what you were doing is you were kind of rejecting the idea of being a man and what a man was. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but therapists, as soon as they knew that they instead started calling you a woman and encouraging you to transition, correct? Yes, uh, immediately I was affirmed as a transgender woman on my first appointment with a therapist. Wow, and on that same exact appointment with no past history, um, they also, the therapist also gave you a letter to begin a medical transition, correct? Yes, that is correct. So knowing nothing of your history, they give you a letter to start both cross-sex hormones, puberty-blocking drugs, as well as cross-sex hormones, and then also to move forward with doing um, either top or bottom surgery, whatever you wanted, correct? Uh, no. So I only got the letter to start estrogen. Uh, since I was an adult, by the time I did this, I was not prescribed puberty blockers. Okay. So, and you started how long after that first visit where they don't even like get any prior um, mental health history. Um, they immediately affirm and say that you're a woman when you're a biological male and really you were just struggling with your male identity at the time. How long after they issued that same day that letter to you to start cross-sex hormones, how much longer until you started to say, well, oh, hold on, maybe I'll consider this and you started to take the hormones? So I took my time. I didn't accept the letter right away. I didn't accept the letter till the end of that same year, which was 2016, since I saw them, I think, early between January and March is when I saw the therapist, and I accepted it in October. Okay, accepted in October. And so the timeline, share with us a little bit of the timeline. What age were you at this point? I was 19 years old. And then how long did you wait until you decided to move forward with top surgery? 
By the time I got top surgery, I was about 21, I believe, uh, since it was 2018. So then for those who want the fuller story, the full story of the transition and how the therapist treated him, um, the impact of your father as well in that male role of, you know, your father working a lot and, you know, the migrant lifestyles you mentioned of being an immigrant to the United States and how you were really raised in many ways, um, you know, by grandparents and whatnot, your story is powerful because it speaks to the importance of father figures and properly balanced roles within the home. Uh, but something that stands out to me is a lot of people just want to focus on, okay, you transitioned to being a woman. But what's even more incredible is your detransition. Can you share about how you detransitioned and what triggered that detransition to come back in alignment with your biological reality of being a, a man? Sure. So I... Tra- um, I realized I made a mistake not long after I got the implants and it wasn't just the implants. It was a combination of other things. Um, I was rejected by the transgender community because I wanted to be, become a police officer and I was working with the local police department. Uh, that plus the fact that they didn't like that. I was left alone. And then after getting surgery, I was alone uh took a while but reality settled in and i realized i was making a mistake after all that i it slowly but surely eventually accepted that i was making a mistake i tried to get some help from my first therapist she said it was childhood traumas and recently having surgery that caused me to want to have these thoughts a second therapist said I was being too cavalier and wouldn't help me. You were being too cavalier about wanting to transition and that (laughs) because you had the surgery, that's why you were having doubts. That's what they were saying. I, I shouldn't be. His exact quote is, I should not be too cavalier with my gender identity regarding the transition since I don't know the full uh, potential harm that could be done to my body. Yet no one, and this was what was so profound in your story, yet no one warned you about the damage that could be done to your body if you transitioned. That is correct. I was never told of any potential harm done, uh, that could have been caused to my body if I continued to transition. Now, how long has it been since you detransitioned and stopped taking hormones? So I stopped taking hormones in April of 2019. Um... I had the implants removed in December of 2020, and then February of this year, I had my chest reconstructed one last time to fix what was left from everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me what the aftermath has been. I know you and I spoke about this a little bit the other day, but what has the medical aftermath been for you after having detransitioned? Um, so the medical part... Um, I don't really know full extent of everything. Um, I have yet to get properly checked out by a doctor, um, but overall I know my health has been degrading. Um, as I've said in other interviews, the left half of my body has tremors and, uh, here and there. Um, obviously I have genital atrophy. Um, don't know atrophy, if I can have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I can have kids and... 
overall there's some other stuff I need to verify before I start speaking on that um, if it's due to the fact that I started my transition all those years ago. Wow. So, Abel, what I want to talk about today that was kind of running down your story, and thank you so much for kind of giving us the Sparks Notes version. If you want to hear the full version, we spent a whole hour together, Abel, a couple weeks ago, and your story is one that people need to hear, whether you're a parent whose child's maybe starting to show uh, gender dysphoric um, identity or wanting to transition. Um, it's so important to hear. Maybe you're just saying, you know what, what's the big deal? Someone wants to say they're a woman and they're really a man, what's the big deal? Your story speaks so deeply to that crisis, I think, many people have of this idea well you know you do you and if that makes you happy well actually biological reality the human person matters and that's something you emphasize so clearly uh, but let's talk about faith so Abel you grew up Catholic how did your Catholic faith uh, play a part in this whole uh, whole situation where was your faith when you were struggling uh, in those earlier years of college with a male identity so growing up I was uh, raised Catholic but I was never really into my religion. Um obviously the most religion are my gra religious are my grandparents and my parents and I'm not growing up I wasn't the most religious. Really didn't care much for it. Uh while transitioning I didn't like religion cuz I the more I look at it now I I think I was in a cult um with everything that I did. So they obviously painted religion in a negative light. The transgender so, community yeah. was a cult, you're saying? Okay. Yes, I call them a cult and a new religion is how I address them nowadays because that is how they behave. How so? Uh, well, if you see examples of cults online, that's how they behave. Uh, and regarding religion, um, they replace God with themselves. They switch to the Holy Spirit for their gender identity or gendered spirit, however they want to call it. Gender soul, I think is what they call it nowadays. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you even slightly disagree, you become a heretic and they will excommunicate you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they want you to fully adhere to their doctrine. That is correct. So let's talk about it. So your faith was you grew up Catholic, but you weren't really practicing or like you weren't owning it or interested in your faith, it sounds like. That is correct. Now, as you started going through that transition, where was your faith? You know, fast forward through high school, coming out of high school, you know, you're 19, 20. Uh, what role did your faith play in your life? Um, Again, I didn't have much faith um until a couple years ago when after I realized I made the mistake and I've slowly been trying to rebuild it. So as you recognize, I find it fascinating. So you recognize, okay, I don't believe in this transgender lie. It has led me to take cross-sex hormones. It's led me to have top surgery. It's led me to socially transition. Now the exact community that claims to be my glitter family, right? Because the transgender pro LGBTQ community will say, you know, we're your family now, we accept you. But then once you transition, you slightly question the status quo, they kick you out. They turn against their own people. What what point um, as you've transitioned, are you starting to say, okay, well, 
maybe there is something important to God and why was it? You know, did you say, okay, you know, God made me male and female? Was it that you really needed to believe in, you know, someone, specifically God, to like, help you through that transition? What did that look like for you? So after I realized my mistake, um, I knew I had, I was raised in a Catholic family. So I slowly but surely was trying to go back to it on my own terms, not on the terms that my family hadn't put on me in the past. Mm -hmm. You wanted it to be your own? Yes. Yes. So how has faith played a role now as you're, you know, growing into your Catholic faith of your family, you know, of, you know, your right upbringing? How do you find it significant for you as you're going through this healing journey of coming out of all of this? It's brought me a lot of peace um, with everything that I've done, but as I know a lot of people have told me I've been forgiven for what I've done, but even though they they might be right, and they are probably right, I still want to take my time with uh, what I've done to heal and atone for what I've done. So overall, it's going to take a while for me to feel comfortable again with my religion and everything. Has your has our Catholic faith been something that's been helpful for you as you're reorienting and kind of coming into the integrity of your sexuality and understanding like maleness isn't just, you know, a box that people like to put it in, but understanding like who you are as a man. It's uh, helped me with being at peace with myself with a lot of things that I've learned I can't really control. Have the sacraments played a part in your journey as you're going through this healing process and that process of forgiveness as well? Um, I wouldn't uh, be able to answer that question yet just because, like I said, I'm still working on myself um, overall, so I still have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about confession? Have you been to confession? If you're interested or open to sharing. I haven't um, been able to go to church in in a long time just because, unfortunately, I'm very busy nowadays. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's not a good thing, though. So it sounds like your Catholic faith and having God and having that prayer has been important, but there's still a transition back to the faith and making time. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Well, my invitation to you, especially, you know, coming back into your faith and wanting it to be yours, I really just want to invite you to the sacraments to receive, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, you know, after having gone to confession, you know, God, God is so good. He came to this earth knowing that we are imperfect, knowing our fallen human nature, and he came to forgive our sins and open the kingdom of heaven to us to get again. Uh, and that's a gift. And I think sometimes, especially when we come from a place of sin or having made mistakes, we think that we have to merit that gift. You know, we have to become worthy. And yes, we're called to conversion, but Jesus Christ came not to save the perfect. He was very clear. He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. And it sounds from like from the get-go, you know, you're having a hard time forgiving yourself but it sounds like you 
you don't need to forgive yourself. You need to allow, in particular, God to forgive you. And I just want to invite you to the sacrament of confession. Healed by the blood of the Lamb, he blots out every single sin we could imagine if only we will turn to him. So I want to extend that invitation and hope that you will you know, turn to our Lord and find a good priest to go and confess you know, what's happened in your life to and receive that strong spiritual direction. I hope I can eventually do that. Um, again, I I feel like once I feel like I've done enough, I'll probably go and confess. My prayers are with you, Abel, and I know there's so many people listening right now who are saying, you know what, your story's powerful. You you want to return to God and through all of this, so know that our prayers are with you. Abel, we're going to be back right back with Abel Garcia. He uh, transitioned. He's a biological male who transitioned to becoming a woman, and after being pressured by therapists, given a letter on his first appointment uh, with a therapist, the therapist knew nothing about him, and this therapist gives him a letter to start cross-sex hormones. He's since detransitioned and is rediscovering his Catholic faith. That's Abel Garcia here on Trending with Tim Murray. We've tagged him on social media. We'll be right back in just a moment. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Fascinating study came out, the top 10 most regretted college majors. We'll talk about it in just a moment as maybe you or someone you know is getting ready to go to college or be sent off to college and these graduates wish they pursued something else. It brings up the whole conversation about trade schools and certifications versus university. We fascinating. We'll take a Catholic approach to this as well. It's our weekly happy hour today on trending and whether it be jobs or health, you name it, it impacts our happiness. Joining me now is Abel Garcia. He is what some people are calling a detransitioner in the respect that he is a biological male who identified as trans as transgender, as a transgender woman, and has detransitioned. His story is so powerful. He shared it here a couple weeks ago on Trending. Abel, some questions have arisen since you and I last spoke. Uh, a lot of parents have written to me over the last couple of years about their teenagers who, especially during uh, COVID and the lockdowns and being home, uh, suddenly are experiencing um, maybe what goes from one moment as a uh, bisexuality and the next thing you know they're identifying as transgender and they love their children adore their children they don't agree with the whole transgender ideology but they just want their children to be happy and they have questions such as you know what if what should i do should i call my child by their new name should i refer to them with their new male or female pronouns that they're transitioning to i would like to hear from your perspective um the impact of a parent um using, you know, the wrong pronoun, uh, in other words, using the pronoun you prefer, even though it's not the correct pronoun, again, according to your biology, and what the impact of using a different name has. You know, what are your thoughts on a parent participating in that? I do not uh, believe that parents should be um, agreeing to what these kids are saying. Um, I know that the kids are obviously going to be upset about it, but you are feeding into the dissolution that they are having and 
eventually if these kids keep going down that path, others are going to obviously get into their lives and try to turn them against the parents, even if the parents were okay in the beginning with different names or different pronouns. On this, and I think that's really important to hear, like, from your perspective, you're saying, don't do it. Like, parents, like, don't give in. It just causes more confusion. Uh, what would you say is the best thing that a parent can do when a child is wanting to transition or showing signs of gender dysphoria? Well, from nowadays, I, I see that it's caused a lot by social media. So I would try to figure out what's the cause of it and get your child away from what is causing that identity, which nowadays is going to be social media, their phones, and whatever apps they like to use. Mm, that's profound. I remember you sharing your very first exposure to the whole idea of transgenderism was on YouTube, correct? Yeah, it was YouTube a couple of years ago. I, I think by now it's been over a decade. Yeah, but now, I mean, we're seeing even on Pinterest, like a lot of young girls are uh, coming into this like transgender identity and people, parents are going, you know, I checked their social media, I checked Instagram, I checked Snapchat, but it was actually in particular on Pinterest that they were being exposed to and having these conversations about a transgender identity. I do see a lot of that stuff on Pinterest. Um, I don't use that. Um, I, I have used it in the past and... I do. I did see a lot of it then, and for, sometimes I'll get. Um, I'll be. Ha I have to use it for some reason, and it's. Uh, there's always gonna be something there with Pinterest, with especially nowadays with TikTok, Instagram, and every other option that kids use for social media. Yeah, and it seems very clear that especially places such as Instagram and other social media platforms, they're uh, giving favoritism in the algorithms to these transgender stories and identities. And all of a sudden, these people have these massive followings uh, because their stories are ones that Instagram, Facebook, or wherever actually want to promote. And so... They are creating influencers, and it's interesting to see because I'll follow some of these stories. They're sensationalized. They just pop up on my feed, and I follow them, and I watch. You know, as at first, it's just something like, oh, I'm questioning my gender. The next thing you know, you know, I did, I'm celebrating today. You know, I've been taking cross-sex hormones for three months now. Or next thing you know, they're celebrating uh, the top surgery, the bottom surgery, and... It's astounding to me to just see um, how candid these people are on social media, these social media influencers, but how much it seems to me to become more about the attention they're receiving from the public on social media uh, than what's actually going on inside and the pain and the question and the difficulty of like mental health-wise what's happening. You know... Now that you bring that up with the attention, yeah, the, a lot of these kids do get a lot of attention, and and this is actually just perfect because this last week, I don't know if you were paying attention on social media, but they were having an entire week for themselves with uh, it ending yesterday with remembering those who died, and obviously these people sensationalizing their deaths. Mm. Now, so they are highlighting the people who identified as transgender who maybe committed suicide or died. Is that correct? Died in, in general. Um, 
from what I've seen, a lot of these individuals have died due to homicides. Um, and these people claim it's due to them being trans. Um, others will say, um, or when it is, it is suicide, they will say it is suicide. Um, I'm going to look into them myself, all of these deaths, because I'm now curious. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe the, the actual reason that these people are claiming. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting you bring that up because just last week here on Trending, I was joined by licensed marriage and family therapist Michael Gasparo, and he is on the forefront of uh, addressing the issue of uh, transgenderism as well as same-sex attraction in therapy. And it's fascinating talking to him and some of the top-level researchers and workers. Uh, internationally, he was sharing, he was just at an a international uh, conference on this topic and that the international consensus really is uh, that we shouldn't be encouraging children to go through with cross-sex hormone therapy or top or bottom surgery and that we should be allowing what's known as therapeutic choice. So choice and therapy, that would mean where instead of the political realm um, pushing you to and so the political realm pushing you uh, to say, you know what, you're not allowed to have this type of therapy. Instead, the client should be able to say, well, actually, for example, I'm a biological male, I'm struggling with gender identity, and I actually want to live in conformity with my biological reality. Or I'm Catholic, and I know that the church teaches um, that same-sex interaction sexually is actually a sin and I want to live in accord with that uh, teaching and so I would like to pursue therapy that respects my faith and would encourage me to live a chaste lifestyle um, with sexual integrity and yet the politics in the western world especially the United States is very in Canada really pushes for you to not have access to therapy that you want or need and so it was interesting hear that internationally more so though the approach is no that's actually not the general consensus and that's not what the data uh, points to but what's interesting is something they highlight over and over again Abel back to your point of the fact that there was just this last week on social media celebrating or remembering should I say those in the LGBTQ community who have died um, and sensationalizing their stories what's sad is that many people in the LGBTQ community have what's known as a comorbidity so they have a some type of medical diagnosis that was never diagnosed um, that needed to be treated so maybe they actually had anxiety depression OCD uh, were sexually abused and that was far prior to the gender dysphoria or same-sex attraction and that they're being ushered into this transgender identity but in reality they're never actually treated for something that is in part causing or leading that and so when we talk about the deaths of those people who have died in the LGBTQ community it's so heartbreaking for me Abel because what I see often is that there was depression there there was anxiety um, there was sexual abuse that was never healed or talked about but hidden i'd like to hear your thoughts on that yeah i know overall there are obviously everyone has issues um and i have seen a lot of when i was still living at the transgender woman um i know i did see a lot of young people and older folks who had other issues and the more that i deal with it nowadays um with detransitioners i do see that um, they have admitted that they have other issues. 
and most of them being autistic. And I know that's something that you yourself have wondered um, if you might actually struggle with some autism yourself, and that could be a part of your journey as well. That is a possibility for me, but I have yet to be tested. Yeah. Yeah, but the question is there, right? Like your question all along when that therapist those years ago immediately on the first appointment said, oh, you're a woman and starts calling you a woman. I remember it was so good of you. You said, well, why are you calling me that? Like what would make you think you don't know me, right? Honestly, I wish I would have had proper help when I did all this in the beginning. If if it was autism and that is my issue. I wish that uh, we would have figured that out instead of, oh, you're definitely a woman trapped in a man's body and, well, these uh, drugs and surgeries are definitely going to fix you. They didn't fix me anything. They actually destroyed my body. appreciate your candidness, your sharing. Uh, my prayers are with you. I praise God for our Catholic faith, and I pray for you as you, know, you grow into your Catholic faith after you know this whole healing journey, and I appreciate your candidness for so many people who need to hear the truth of cross-sex hormones and top and bottom surgery. You can listen to the full interview I did with Abel Garcia. It's available via podcast, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. We're posting a link on social media. It'll be in the episode notes, but you can listen wherever you catch your podcast. Just subscribe to Trending with Tim Ray. We are there. I'll be right back here on Trending, and we're going to dive into the top 10 most regretted college majors and the degrees that graduates wish they had pursued instead. We'll also talk about Selena Gomez, the actress, a childhood actress, who says that she actually wants to leave the acting world as she hopes to be married and to be a mom. What do you think about sharing in today's world the desire to be married and be a mom? Uh, is it a, a thing that gets in the way of happiness or is it something that can help in achieving your goal? You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour here on Trending. It's that season where many high schoolers are looking at colleges, finishing those college applications, and will head off to college next summer after choosing the one that they think works best for them. But some interesting data has come out and continues to come out. Diving back into that debate, is college really worth it? There's a report that came out from Georgetown University, the Center of Education and Workforce, and it talks about the college payoff and the most successful uh, things to study. No surprise, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math are projected to earn the most alongside health and business. These are the highest paying jobs out there. What's fascinating to see time and time again right now are the statistics showing the number of people regretting their choices when it comes to what they studied or even having gone to college at all. 44% of all job seekers with a college degree regret their choice of major. Now I'm looking at a list. This is the latest data from a monthly ZipRecruiter report that's done and it shows the top 10 majors that are most regretted. In other words, the percentage of people who have these majors in the study that regretted their major. And this is astounding. Nearly nine out of 10 people who studied journalism regret it. 
Over 7 out of 10 people who studied sociology regret their sociology major. Also, 7 out of 10 people who study liberal arts regret this. Little over 60%, so a little bit over 6 out of 10 people who study communications, education, or marketing and management research all regret their choice of majors. Other ones coming in at well over 50% of people regretting their college major. So again, half of the people who studied these things, medical and clinical assisting, political science and government, biology, as well as the English language literature, half of them all regret their major, their choice of study in college. It's all really fascinating to me. We could walk through this list, you know, journalism, sociology, even things such as liberal arts, among others, even political science in some respects, they tend to end up being somewhat vague careers. And so it brings up the question of career training versus getting that four-year degree. And many people are regretting that they didn't focus on career training. And I think that that shouldn't that be the whole idea that whatever you're spending four years of time, money, and talent, or at least I hope effort, right, on this, that you would be training for your career. But I even remember, you know, going to college over and over again as I graduated college and talked to my peers over and over again, they would actually comment and say that they felt like they weren't prepared to work a job. They weren't prepared to start a career. My thought always was, how could you go to university and receive your full university education and then come out saying you didn't feel prepared to have a career. And it made me think of, you know, how I, you know, went through university. I went to a university that was very media focused, entrepreneur focused, of so starting up your own business. And I studied the business. I studied, you know, the new technology side of it. I, I dove in. I ended up studying theology and philosophy. Uh, but I had a plan. And as my plan changed, I adapted my course of study. But the whole time I always had a plan. And so what I think this all communicates, whether you study journalism, whether you study theology, whatever you study, that you have a plan. And I think in some respects, at least the STEM um, courses of study and majors tend to have a little bit more of a direction. You know, engineering, I'm going to become an engineer. Now, often technology, you know, you're seeing these focuses that people have that they're really specifying in terms of what they're trained for. So let's talk a little bit about what maybe we need to think about when whether we or someone we know is going through college. And I think this applies to all areas of our life, but especially talking about the college crisis today. I especially see it so challenging for young men in the respect that the college, a four-year college degree, isn't something that is conducive or interesting for them, and maybe they need to adapt to a trade school. But I also see the challenge for women and that many women, myself included, go to a four-year university maybe then you continue on for higher education and a master's and then you're racked in student loan debt yet you want to be a mom yeah maybe you still want to put your degree to work and indeed maybe you will part-time or full-time whatever that might look like but there's this guilt and pressure that well now I have to work because I have these student loans and now I feel like I can't get married because I have these student loans and so it brings back to mind this whole idea that even whether you're in college or high school we're having these conversations with high school and college age people that have to do with having purpose. 
with dreaming and talking about goals, but talking about reality and responsibilities, understanding, really understanding student loan debt and if it's something that's reasonable or unreasonable to do. So in other words, having purpose, having a plan, and even considering things such as doing two years of your education for college for free if that's what you want to do. You know, two years is junior college, a community college. In some states, one can be in California, it's free now to go to community college. You can get your two years of general ed done. I think this is a great choice for anyone who isn't really sure about what they want to study. Or maybe someone who doesn't want student loan debt or can save money or have more adaptable schedule. And these are great choices, yet for some reason there's such a strong pressure on, I have to go to the four-year university, it has to be prestigious, or I have to feel good about myself still by going to a four-year university, even though I didn't get into the four-year university I wanted. So instead of spending less money and going to the community college, I'm spending more money going to a university I don't even want to go to because I have locked in my head this idea that I have to go away to university. We need to break through some of the stigmas and the idealization of a four-year education. And whether it be parents or whether it be the college student, think more practically with a purpose and a plan and knowing yourself. I think trade schools are a wonderful thing. I think certificate programs are fantastic. I think about everything from my sister who's studying cybersecurity and is already working full-time in cybersecurity before she even finishes her college degree. I think of many friends and family members I have who ditched college altogether to go to, to trade school, and they're thriving in, in the trades that they've practiced. I think that, again, when we're talking about university, we need to be careful not to, and even with each child, you know, maybe you have three children or five children, not having the same exact approach with how college is handled for each of them. Something I found, especially in my college years, uh, is that experience matters. I think often today we have this approach where many people, many kids don't work through college anymore or even work in high school. And then they wait to start working until after college or even wait to start working in the field of their choice until after college. One thing that I know I really did differently is I was working in the area that I was studying and preparing to go into after university. And that experience from just a work ethic to the experience in network to the experience in the work and responsibility I was doing was so important. And this brings us back, I think, really to a Catholic perspective on this entire topic. That we are called to be good stewards of the gifts we have of our time, our talent, and our treasures. And that that's a huge part of the conversation that should be had regarding choice of major, university versus community college, career training and certifications or trade school versus a university. How will we spend our time? How will we use our talents? How will we use our treasures? In other words, where will we spend our money? Whose money are we spending? And will it be our money 10 years from now that we are spending instead of on a house payment, instead on a uh, college degree that we're still paying off. 
And how will we spend our time and other people's time? Will we waste other people's treasures that they're helping to give us and helping to go to university? Will we waste other people's time, including teachers who are teaching and you're not interested in what you're studying, but you go just because you're supposed to get the degree? We need to ponder our time, talents, and treasures, our individual gifts, and how we can put what we have available to us to the best possible use at university. It's really sad to see these top 10 uh, degrees that are most regretted by people because they're some of the most common degrees. I mean, journalism, communication, education. Uh, We need to have these conversations and not just dive right in with no plan or just pick something because we have a disorientation of direction with the next steps in career. And I think another thing that we shouldn't fear are gap years. You know, if there is a good work ethic and something's still being done, whether it's you who are in university or maybe looking to your child who is talking about taking a year off, it's not a year off if your kid's still doing something. And I think that's the, the problem. If they're just sitting around, that's a problem. But if they're, you know, working, if they're being responsible, maybe they're volunteering their time, maybe they're going on a mission, it can give the opportunity for maturity as well as an orientation in terms of what direction they want to go in for school without wasting money and wasting time uh, going to school without any plan. And again, there are other things too to consider. I did a show just a couple weeks ago with Melanie Hempy from ScreenStrong.com and we talked about the topic of whether or not your gamer, person who plays video games, is ready for college. It was an important conversation because sometimes the maturity level or due to an addiction or something going on in our lives, it can be unhealthy to jump right into college. And so again, that comes back to this whole idea, a Catholic approach of being good stewards. How are we using our time, talent, and treasure? So just a thought on the whole college debate and conversation. I thought it was really interesting seeing these top 10 most regretted degrees. And again, just hearing that nearly 50% of all job seekers, people who are trying to find a job, regret what they chose to study in college. So again, top interesting note, if you have a plan, some of the most uh, highest paying uh, majors out there are in STEM, health, and business. So we'll post a link on social media. You can check it out of the top 10 most regretted college majors. I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily doing any of these top 10 majors. But again, do you have a plan? Do you have purpose? Can you spend less money by going to a community college? Is trade school and a certificate better? Some companies, major companies, don't even require a four-year degree anymore because they're seeing people are often more effective today with the certificates in trade school. And experience means the world as well. But so does a good work ethic. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. While we're talking about happiness and goals in life, teen actress or childhood actress, now adult, Selena Gomez uh, has recently come out in her new documentary on Apple TV talking about what she wants in the future. Now, you may know her from anything from Wizards of Waverly Place. She's also helped produce that awful show on Netflix um, about suicide. I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Where's Patrick when I need him? Patrick's off today and he would be telling me uh, what it is, but that show, it had multiple seasons. She produced no no one's helping me 
you guys come on well anyways you guys know which one i'm talking about the girl who basically does this revenge show talking about the reasons why it's a video is about why she committed suicide you know making it seem okay to blame people for committing suicide but also to glorify suicide anyways selena gomez helped produce that she was i think someone was recently saying she was also on uh, barney so she's been in the acting world for a long time. We know she struggled with everything from, I believe it's lupus, to other mental health issues as well. Uh, but Selena Gomez has shared over the last couple of years some really interesting things. One of them, earlier this year I talked about on Trending, is that she decided to completely pull off of social media. And she talked about how healing and good for her mental health that was. Well, earlier in August, she shared on a podcast that she was doing that she actually was hoping one day to be married and to be a mom. Well, then she released her latest documentary on her life on Apple TV Plus just over the last couple of weeks. It's called My Mind and Me, and she reveals everything about mental health, lupus, and heartbreak, uh, especially talking about the impact of lupus on her. Uh, and by the way, concern, you know, if you have lupus, it can make it a little more difficult to have children. As uh, she talks about how at one point she's been working her entire life since she was a kid. Selena Gomez says, my whole life since I was a kid, I've been working. And later she says, the only thing I want is to be a mom. I don't want to be super famous. I just feel stuck and I just want to move forward. So Selena Gomez talks about how she doesn't want to just continue spending her whole life acting. She's been doing it since she was a kid. She wants to be a mom. She wants to be married. And I really appreciate it. You know, I'm not necessarily a Selena Gomez fan, uh, but I appreciate these actors and actresses. A Spider-Man actor last week coming up on his 40th birthday regretting that he hasn't had children yet. And we talked about that here on the show. And then here's Selena Gomez, you know, in her early 30s saying something similar. I want to be a mom. I want to be married. This is my hope. This is my aspiration. Just like we're talking about, you know, really planning and thinking with college earlier. I think these are conversations that we shouldn't be afraid to have, whether you are a man or a woman to say you want to be married, to say you want to have children. I think a lot of people think that to say that makes them seem less than, but that actually makes you sound human. It's natural, it's good and okay to want to have children. It's okay to fear having children and say that you're afraid of having children. It's okay even to say that you're scared of marriage and what kind of parent you would be. I was just talking to a friend the other day and she was talking about one of her friends who was married and planned to never have children. And she was going on and on about how she never wanted to have children. And my friend said to her something along the lines of, you know what? I think you would be a really great mom and that if you chose to have kids, you would be an incredible mother and that you could do it. And this girl's jaw just about dropped. Her, her emotional reaction was so intense. It was as if no one ever told her. She never believed she could be a mom. And I think that we live in a culture where there are a lot of wounds with regard to marriage and motherhood and fear moving forward. But there are a lot of people afraid to say their dreams of being a mother and the dream of being married. If that's something you want in life, don't be afraid to say it, to put yourself in the situation to make that happen and to take care of yourself and your health so that is a possibility and a future moving forward. 
You're listening to Trending with Timory. Up next is Family Rosary Across America. Join Father Rocky. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Tuesday on Trending, I'll be joined by OBGYN Dr. John Bruchowski. He's going to share with us and answer questions about being pro-life, the sound medical data that we need to hear and understand to help us in having those pro-woman, pro-baby arguments that are grounded in sound medical science. So join me Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.